Hello and welcome back to Teach Me to Pray, a podcast from Eastside City Church. This is episode five of our season on prayer, and together we're learning how to pray. Well, we spent our first four episodes discussing our motivation for praying, the why behind our prayers. But today we're moving ahead into how we pray. Well, thanks for joining us once again. And I'm your host, Peter Matheson, and with me today is Pastor Jan. Thank you for being here once again. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited about today. As always, our goal is that whether you're a new Jesus follower or are seasoned in the way of Jesus, there will be something for you in this podcast. This is Episode 5, Who Do We Pray To? Do you have a good memory? I have a terrible memory. I forget things all the time. Have you ever found yourself forgetting someone's name? Somebody that you know, but you only see them infrequently. And they know your name. And while you're chatting, your mind is just racing, trying to remember their name. I think that's the worst feeling in the world that has happened to me before. And it's so embarrassing, especially when you know their name. You just temporarily have a brain malfunction. Right. And they're chattering away happily and you're nodding your head and smiling, but inside you have this internal trauma, total meltdown happening because you are panicking. A few years ago, that's exactly what happened to me. I was dropping off my son at school and one of the other dads came over and he asked if I was Peter. And he remembered me from elementary school, like 30 years ago. And he remembered stories of our class, and he was talking about all these people and places, all of which I knew, and yet I had no recollection of him at all. I spent the whole conversation thinking, who am I talking to? Who is this person? Well, as we approach the second half of our series on Teach Me to Pray, we want to focus on how we pray. And in our our first four episodes, uh, we're getting, answering the question, why we pray. So that's what we already covered. Uh, But now we're getting into the how. And it starts with, who do we pray to? After all, a big part of what makes prayer prayer is the direction it's heading in. Like I could think to myself in my head, and that isn't prayer. But if I direct those thoughts to God, it becomes a prayer. And if I write in my journal or I write a letter to a friend, that's not a prayer. But if I write in my journal to God or I write a letter to God, that is prayer. So the who is very important. Who we're directing this mental conversation or verbal conversation to. Now, we've already covered how God calls us to pray and how God listens to our prayers and how he answers us. And so in essence, we already know who we pray to. But I know that there are times in my life that I've gotten bogged down in, well, do I pray to God the Father? Like, do all my prayers have to be directed just to Him? Or do I pray to Jesus? Because I personally find that much easier. I I like to talk to Him as a friend. And is that okay? And what about the Holy Spirit? Do I have to pray to the Holy Spirit? Or as some of my friends do, should I drop the the and just pray to Holy Spirit? 
And so instead of just praying, I end up stressing out about the how. And I love how Nikki Gumbel uh, puts it in the Alpha Course. He reads from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, where he, it says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit, because of what Christ has done for us. And so in this one verse, we see Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And so the understanding for us when it comes to prayer and how do we talk to God is that we pray to the Father through the Son, Jesus, by the Spirit. And so it's all three together. And so we don't really have to get bogged down into the, well, did I say that right? And am I addressing this to God or to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit? It's all three that takes part. It's Jesus that makes us able to pray to the Father. And it's his spirit that he's given us that makes us want to pray and to talk to him. And so it's all of these together. And so today we're going to kind of look a little bit more about who we pray to. We're going to start with this idea of the Father. And I want us to begin by looking at this relationship between us and God, with God as our Father and we as his children. Jesus, he begins the Lord's Prayer with, Our Father in heaven. That's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, uh, it says this. Well, I'm going to actually start in verse 4. It says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So when we pray, we're praying to our father, a father who sent his son to buy freedom for us through his death and resurrection so that the father could adopt us as his very own children. And now the spirit of Jesus has been sent into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, to call out, Daddy. You are God's own child and his heir. And uh, there's a story about Abraham Lincoln, the U.S. president, uh, who had a son, Tad, who would often interrupt his father, and he would drag along this little bugle boy named Gus with him. And so I want to read a quote from a Washington Post article that was written in February 12th, uh, 1999, uh, where it's talking about a recent book that had just been published uh, about this relationship. And so uh, this is the quote. It says, Later that day, Tad wanted to ask his father a question and burst into the executive office where Lincoln was meeting with Secretary of State William Seward and Secretary of War Edwin M. Stanton. Gus followed behind. Tad hugged his father, spoke to him briefly, and then ran from the room. Gus saluted and left. Mr. Lincoln, are you not annoyed by those boys? Seward asked. Oh, never mind, Lincoln said as he smiled. It's a diversion, and we need diversion at the White House. And so here is this picture of a son 
who is bursting into one of the most important meetings that's going on at the time, just running in to his father, ignoring the fact that he's the president of the United States and just rushing in to give his dad a hug, to talk to him. And he's even dragging in this other boy with him. And really, this is this beautiful picture of the relationship that we have with God. And now because of Jesus, we get to rush into the most holy of places to talk to God, to have this interaction with him. And we can see God as our father because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You know, I think about growing up with my dad as the pastor of the church, and there'd be many times as a child where he might have been in the middle of a big, important meeting. I have no idea, you know, what big issue he might have been talking about with that person. But as a child, he was my dad. And so when I needed my dad, I wouldn't think twice about running into the room or or walking up to him while he's mid-conversation with someone and just saying, Dad, Dad, I need something, or I need this, or Dad, I need you to listen to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, fast forward some years when now uh, my husband and I were the youth pastors and we had a son. And, you know, many times I brought him to youth because I didn't really have child care. And so I would just bring my children with me. And, you know, our son was uh, a little bit of a handful when he was little. Mm -hmm. And so in order to keep him quiet, I would have to entertain him at the back of the sanctuary while the meeting was happening. And I remember this one time uh, he happened to be riding a little trike. And he was fine because he was just riding back and forth at the back. But he kind of got away from me, and all of a sudden, before I could grab him, he was now driving the little trike all the way around the perimeter of the meeting while Todd was preaching. Right. And so uh, all you could hear is this little squeak of the wheels of the of the trike as he was just uh, riding around in circles. And I thought, you know what? I'm I'm not going to grab him because I don't want him to scream. Right. And also, he doesn't know. Right. You know, this is just, you know, mom and dad. And yeah, there's a bunch of people here, but this is my dad and I'm comfortable at this place. Exactly. And so I'm just going to play like I normally do. Like he didn't know we were in the middle of a youth meeting, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's the progression, Peter. It gets even worse. And now fast <laughs> forward to other years. And uh, now we have a five pound chihuahua. And this chihuahua sits in on all of our staff meetings, as you know. Right. And uh, <laughs> often now has no problem growling and barking and bossing us around. In the middle of a meeting, we could be discussing, you know, major, major things. And uh, this chihuahua doesn't care because when she wants something, she just lets us know without any reservation because that's who she is. And she just knows the relationship she has with us is so comfortable. She can just let us know when she wants to, when she needs our attention. Right. And I, I think that's such a, a beautiful picture of, for us, the the level of comfort, like you said, that we can have when it comes to prayer, the confidence that we can have to approach our Father, to not feel like, oh, am I interrupting? Is this the right time? Am I doing everything the right way? But to have confidence to come to Him and approach Him, knowing that He's not going to be annoyed. He's not going to be upset with us. He's not angry at the interruption. Just like with Tad, just like you're saying, 
with your son. Uh, Pastor Todd wasn't annoyed. He wasn't upset or angry about any of those those moments. And so that's the the level of how we want to look at our relationship with God, that now he has adopted us. Now we're his children, and we can come right to him and present our requests, whatever it is that we need. Hey, I just want to hug. Hey, I just got something I want to say, something I need to get off my chest in this moment. And then to be able to just run out and and go on our way. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what prayer can be when we recognize that we are praying to a loving Father. Well, the second uh, relational kind of term that I want us to look at when it comes to prayer and how we pray and who are we praying to is that we would see God as the king. And the Bible tells us that God reigns. He is the king. He reigns forever. And there is much in the Bible about the kingdom of God. And Jesus especially preached and told stories about God's kingdom. And so when we pray, we pray to our king. And there are times when children of the king must approach their father formally as king. And so for us, we don't want to forget that the Lord is also our king. He rules and he reigns. He has the utmost authority. And so we don't want to be disrespectful or impudent. And we see that Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of all lords. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, At just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only Almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And so we want to remember, God is our King. And that means that He's powerful. There's nothing that is impossible for him. And so, yes, we know that we have that comfort to come to him as our father. But even as we consider uh, Tad or for your son growing up, uh, the relationship, still still a child to a father, still that that level of um, close relationship and comfort that we can have. But we also recognize there's times when we need to be serious and we need to be respectful and we need to approach someone who's in a position of authority in a certain way and make our requests in a certain way. And so we hold that tension and that balance of both of these things are true. God is our Father, and He loves us, and He is the Almighty King of the universe as well. And we know that both of those things are true. Yeah, the other um, relational concept we need to consider when we're considering who are we praying to is we are praying to God, our shepherd. And uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, it says this, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd the guardian of your souls. So the shepherd is the guardian of our soul. But we know that sheep get lost. Sheep tend to wander. And the scripture's clear mm-hmm. on that. Zechariah 10.2, Matthew 18.12, Psalms 119.176 all tell us that we have a tendency to go astray. But uh, a very famous passage of scripture is the 23rd Psalm. And so I'm going to read that because that is very familiar But that gives us a good indication of what the qualities are of our shepherd. Mm -hmm. So Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. 
Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So this scripture says that God is our shepherd. He provides for us. Mm -hmm. He leads us. He renews us. He guides us. He stays close beside us. He protects and comforts us. Mm -hmm. He prepares uh, all of our sustenance and what we would need. He honors us. He overflows us with his blessings, and he pursues us with his love. Another scripture that talks about the good shepherd is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, and that says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. So we hear uh, in this passage that uh, we recognize the voice of our shepherd. That's right. And our shepherd knows us and calls us by name. It's not ambiguous. Mm -hmm. It's not obscure. It's not foreign or weird. It's comforting because we understand and recognize the voice of our shepherd, and we follow him because we can trust that he's got, um, he's got our good, uh, good things in store for us, and yes. he 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 knows where he we need to go, and mm -hmm. so we can trust him and follow him there. So when we pray, we are also praying to a good shepherd who provides for us and protects us. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's what a, a great way for us to to view our relationship to God through the simplicity of being a sheep and that trust that we have in the shepherd, that all those qualities that you just said, hey, God, you are leading me and guiding me and prote protecting me and providing for me. And the, the comfort that we can get from seeing God that way and understanding this beautiful relationship that we have of just, I'm going to yield to you, God, and I'm just going to trust you with all of these different areas of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Another um, concept that we need to consider when we're thinking about who are we praying to is we are also praying to God the potter. Now, some people might not know what that term means. A potter is simply somebody who works with clay, mm -hmm. right? Who shapes and forms clay into different vessels. And so um, uh, God shows himself to be the potter and we are the clay that he shapes and creates and forms and makes into various vessels. And Isaiah 64 verse eight says this, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. So we know that God has made us. Yes. But he also shapes us. Mm -hmm. He also has the right to reshape us if if he feels like we need to be reshaped mm -hmm. into a, something maybe that that is repaired or for a different purpose, but he has that right to do that because he's the potter. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Jeremiah 18, 6 says, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. You know, we would never tell a potter, hey, you don't have any right to manipulate that mound of clay. Right. Right? Well, Mm -hmm. obviously he does. That's his job. You Mm -hmm. know, that's what he is there to do is to shape and form. Yes. And so we would never dare tell the potter, you can't do that. You know, Mm -hmm. Isaiah 45 verse nine says this, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? I mean, of course not. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. First of all, the clay is not going to address the potter, but it's also not going to criticize what the potter chooses to do. Mm -hmm. The clay is just there in the hands of the potter at the mercy of what the potter decides to make and create. Absolutely. And I think like that's where uh, there's the importance of we see our relationship with God in all these different ways. If we only understood it, God as the potter, man, that would sound so harsh or difficult or God just breaking me down and reshaping me and changing everything. But we keep in mind, he's our good father. Yes, he's the king. He's all powerful. And he's also our shepherd who's leading us and guiding us. And he is the potter. And so I I love what you're saying there about that relationship of the clay to the potter. But how often in our lives do we look and say, God, what are you doing here? God, I don't understand. Or God, I don't think you're doing this the right way in my life. And yet we need to be those who trust. You're the potter. You're shaping me and forming me. And I trust what you're doing here. Well, the last uh, relational kind of way that we want to look at God and who are we praying to, who are we talking to, is that we see God as our friend. We see Jesus as our friend. And we pray and talk to him as a close friend. In John chapter 15, in verse 14 to 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And so we see that this same relationship that Jesus had with his disciples is available to us where we can be friends with God. Even as Abraham was known as a friend of God, uh, we want to be those who can uh, open up the door, hear that Jesus is knocking, and invite him into our life to eat with us and share uh, with us and to talk to him just like we would with a friend, where we can kind of share anything at any time with our God, who is our friend. Yeah, I think about that, you know, um, who do you confide in? Mm -hmm. Well, you confide in your friends. You don't confide in somebody that works for you, Mm -hmm. uh, but you do confide in your friend. And as a friend, you are privy to um, the plants, the information, the Mm -hmm. the nuggets, you know? And so God invites us to come into that level of a relationship with him where we get to sit in on the, the, the 
prime conversation and hear what he's thinking and mm-hmm. see the plans uh, that he's preparing. You know, it's it's an interesting uh, twist on that where you think about, yeah, as a friend, I get to hear God confide things in me. Mm-hmm. And I also can confide things to God. Yes. I, I can let him know everything I'm thinking without reservation. Absolutely. Well, we've been looking today at who do we pray to? And so we're praying to a father who loves us. We're praying to an all-powerful king with the authority and the power to aid us. We pray to a shepherd who protects and provides for us. We're talking to our friend who cares about us and shares with us and spends time with us. And we're praying to a potter who skillfully shapes and forms us. So as we enter into prayer, let's consider who are we praying to? Who are we directing our prayers to? And how does our understanding of who God is shape our prayers and how we talk to him? Well, let's end this episode, as we always do, with a prayer. Father, thank you that we can pray to you. Thank you that you have adopted us and brought us into your family through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we are your children and that you love us. Thank you that you are our shepherd and you protect us and you provide for us. Thank you, God, that you are the potter and that we are clay in your hands. Thank you that you are molding us and shaping us into useful vessels for your purposes. Help us to trust the working of your hand. Keep us from wandering off on our own ways and remind us to boldly approach you, knowing that you are our dad, our wonderful father, who always has time for us. Amen. Well, today my guest is Tim Newman, and Tim, I've known you as a member of Eastside, but I know that you were a pastor for many years, Uh, and can you tell me and our listeners just a little bit more about uh, where you were pastoring and a little bit about yourself? My pastorate was uh, always down in the States. We started out in a little town in the center part of South Dakota and spent a couple of years there, and then... uh, moved to the northeast part of South Dakota. And from there, we made the long trip to Florida. Wow. And I pastored for three years down in uh, the Tallahassee area of Florida. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, found my way back up north again. Minnesota, Illinois, that area I pastored. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to have you here today. And the question that I start uh, each of these interviews with is just, what does prayer look like in your life? and how do you pray? Well, it, it's evolved over the years, obviously. When I was pastoring, um, my practice was to go to the church in the morning, and uh, our churches weren't real large, and so the sanctuary was able to be navigated fairly easily, and I would go into the sanctuary to do my prayer time. I would walk back and forth across the platform—not uh, the, the platform, but the front of the church. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things I would do— at some point during the week, it was usually during the latter half of the week, 
I would actually go down the uh, seats, we called them pews, mm-hmm. and I would lay hands on the seats and pray that those who would be attending and sitting in those seats the following Sunday would uh, experience the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the professional, I guess you'd say, side of my prayer life mm-hmm. and the private, personal side of my prayer life. Um, well, obviously, individually, I would pray at the altar there during the morning. Mm-hmm. But then uh, also we had a, a family time, and that was really important, still is to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, we would uh, have family devotions every night before the kids went to bed. We'd shut the TV off and mm-hmm. and say it's uh, prayer time or devotional time, and we'd read a passage of the Scripture. And then uh, the way we would do it, is I would lead out in prayer, and then each of my children, we had uh, three chi- we have three children, mm-hmm. and when they were little, each of my children would pray, okay. and then my wife would close the prayer time, and we'd tuck the kids in bed. Awesome. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, a little bit different because you had, like you were saying, that vocational side to your prayer, and as a pastor, praying for the church, praying even over the seats, and then your personal side as well. And yes. Kinda- mixing both of those together. Was there a time uh, in your life where you began to pray or, or started praying, or maybe where you saw a change in how you pray? Well, there's been several changes through the years, and I can go through those. But where I started, um, back when uh, I was a little boy, uh, three, four, five years old, in those days, the church we went to Always, in fact, all of the churches I pastored up to a certain point, I suppose in the 90s, would have a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening service. Sure. And so we would return to church Sunday evening, and uh, uh, normally the church prayer time was Sunday evening after the service. The pastor, in my case it was me, would call the congregation forward, and people would kneel at the altar. They'd kneel in the front seats, and they would pray and so when I was a little boy, three, four, five years old, my mom and dad would go up and kneel. As I recall, they usually kneeled in the front row. Okay. And uh, I would sit in the pew beside them playing mm-hmm. with whatever. And sure. so that was my first introduction to really to prayer. Right. And my dad also had us do family devotions when I was little. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you think that that made it easier for you to begin kind of a life and a journey of prayer, of seeing it from a young age and kind of being around it before you kind of entered into it yourself? Well, I think that was my introduction to it, because then as I grew uh, grew up and, and getting to 11, 12 years old, and we saw several um, really exciting moves of God, mm. and, and instead of uh, being part of my mother's prayer time at the altar— I would go up for prayer time, and around 12 years old, okay. um, I went to the altar, and I'll never forget, I had a great experience in prayer. I knelt, and I was uh, wanting to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and I had uh, I always kid with people and say I had my pastor on one side of me, and my pastor's wife was on the other side. They were laying hands on me, and somebody was holding my hands up as I prayed. And I had one person saying, hang on, Timmy, hang on. And another would be saying, let go, Timmy, let go. So I didn't know whether to hang on or let go, but I received the Holy Spirit that night. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, today in our teaching part of our episode, uh, we were talking about our relationship with God and looking at how God is our Father, 
how he's our king. He's our shepherd. Uh, he is the potter and we're the clay. And he also relates to us as a friend, that we can be friends with God. And so when you pray, how do you most often see yourself viewing God or kind of that relationship? Do you see him uh, primarily as uh, in prayer, like as you're praying to your father or as to a king or maybe a shepherd or a potter? Or do you see that friendship? What, what does that look like in your life? Well, I feel there's a close relationship with God, and that's, that's how I view prayer. Um, it's not really, you know, yes, he's our master and our Lord, Lord, you know, mm -hmm. Savior. Yeah. But he's also a close personal friend. And so, um, you know, like when we kneel down or when we, I should say, when we pray for, for our food, we might say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this food. Right. And because the Bible does talk about addressing the Father in prayer, mm -hmm. but also uh, Jesus being one with God. Um, I frequently will say, Lord Jesus, yeah. and, and then pour out my heart to the Lord. Um, that kind of how I operate with my prayer time. Mm -hmm. um, I start out my my prayer at about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. And uh, I usually get up at that time, and that's the time God speaks to me. I don't, I'm don't. i not really talking to him. He's mm. talking to me. I spend some time in the Word. Mm -hmm. And then I usually go back to bed and wake up around 7 o'clock, and I, uh, I take my my Greyhound for a walk. Oh wow! It's about an hour, a mile. I, I walk, and during that time, I pray in the spirit. Okay, and and then I, I return home mm -hmm. and begin my day, and then our prayer time at night. My wife and I, and again, and we address God as a friend. Right. So there's that conversational kind of nature. Do you find, uh, kind of based on what you're saying, it, it sounds like your prayer times aren't incredibly formal. Like you're saying, you're pouring out your heart to God. It's kind of what is uh, on your mind or, or things that you want to bring to him. Uh, would that be the case? It, it's that relational, conversational oh, type a of prayer? Absolutely. It's very relational. And uh, in fact, in the evening when my wife and I pray together, um, we have kind of a, you know, it, it's turned into almost like a prayer list, only we don't have it in a, as a prayer list. Mm -hmm. um, I'll begin our prayer time together. and. Normally, I'll pray for um, our, my children. We'll pray for her children. I'll pray for our grandchildren together. And I lead that part of the prayer. Mm -hmm. And then we pray for um, all of the pastors, you included, Peter, oh, thank you. and uh, of our church and, and uh, denominational leaders. I, I lead in prayer. I'm, that's still my prayer time. I'm praying at that time. Mm -hmm. And we're praying God's anointing upon uh, our denominational leaders and mm -hmm and our pastors, and, and uh, uh, we get down to the point, then, um, you know, I may miss something there. Um, for example, we pray for my mother every day because she has dementia and she mm -hmm. lives in South Dakota, and, mm -hmm. and so we'll pray for uh, strength of mind for her. Mm -hmm. And I may, you know, I may miss that that day. And so Sue will jump in and say, and Lord, we pray for mom, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and then as she's praying, um, she, I kind of have gotten used to the rhythm of her prayers. Um, mm -hmm. she prays for her, my brothers and sisters and her brothers and sisters. And, and she may, uh, pause and kind of forget where she's at. And I, I know enough about her prayer sure. that, you know, it's a conversational thing. I'll right. jump in and I'll say, and we want to pray for so-and-so. Yeah. And so then she'll say, and yes, Lord, we want to pray for so-and-so. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a very much a conversation. That's awesome. 
Tim, what would you say that you love about prayer? The strength it gives me. Mm. Um, I think that it, it, it's such an important part of my life that I don't know what I would do without it because when I pray, um, I'm tapping into the very presence of God. And uh, one of the most dear parts of my prayer is, is at night when my wife and I pray together. Mm-hmm. Um, almost brings tears to my eyes talking about it. Yeah. Uh, because it brings us closer together. Um, when we address God and we're praying together, um, not only are we drawing near to God, we're drawing near to one another. Mm-hmm. And there's a real intimacy in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so, I, I know when I was younger, um, our youth pastors encouraged us when we were on a date not to pray with our boyfriend <laughs> or girlfriend because sure. it's an intimate yes, time. Right. Yeah. And, and it's... Uh, when you're young like that, it's it's it would be easy to step over to the wrong sure. direction there, yeah. and so it's it's a very um, personal time for mm-hmm. Suzanne and I when mm-hmm. we pray. And how did you uh, find uh, for yourself and for your wife? Was it always something that like was it there are times where it was maybe challenging to begin to pray together? Uh, obviously, it's something you've been doing for some time, but I know many people who they they want to pray with their spouse but sometimes they just find it challenging or difficult what would you say to them maybe well i think with my late wife um she's been gone now for about 7 8 years mm-hmm. and i i think that it was more difficult then because we had the rigors of um our children mm-hmm. there's homework there's right. um busyness and mm-hmm. there were times we would miss our family altar just being honest mm-hmm. we yeah. We, uh, you know, we'd go a couple of days and we'd miss, and then it'd be time I'd say we need to get back, you know, mm-hmm. in the pro- with the program. Mm-hmm. Um, with my wife, whom God has blessed me with, Suzanne, yeah, um, it is, uh, it's a faithful part of our lives. We, mm-hmm. I don't think we'd miss it for anything. Mm-hmm. About the only time we miss it is if one of us is not well and goes to bed early and right. and ends up asleep, mm-hmm. you know. But otherwise, it's a it's a an appointment. Right. that we have that is so important to our relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I can definitely hear it. It's something that you highly value. It's not something that you're doing just out of like a religious duty or just that sense of obligation. But like you're saying, you love prayer because of the strength that it gives you, because of the intimacy Absolutely. that is part of that. So it's not something that's a burden for you, but something that is a, a delight. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, final question for you. Uh, do you have any advice or encouragement that you can give to those who are listening who are just starting out in prayer or those who are looking to grow in the area of prayer? As you are kind of, uh, you know, an elder statesman, as you have had this long history uh, and a lifetime of praying from first kind of being around it as a, a three, four, five-year-old, kind of being in those prayer meetings and around it. What would you say to encourage those who are kind of just starting out? Well, you know, it's just a matter of starting is what it is. And you don't have to pray an hour or a half hour um, right off the bat. I mean, start out with, with a minute. Start out with five minutes. Just yeah. start. It's yeah. so important just to start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people will write out um, a prayer list, mm-hmm. and, and that's good. I've done that in the past. Um, 
but you know, we get into um, a point where we're in, like in our lives, we don't use a prayer list, but we, we kind of know what we want to pray for. Mm -hmm. um, I pray for um, my wife, Suzanne, first and every day, mm -hmm. um, and especially during our prayer time together. And then, you know, I, I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to pray for my, my mother. I'm going to pray for my siblings. And you'd be surprised, you know, how quickly the time goes by when you pray mm. like that. Mm -hmm. And there's a scripture. Um, the Apostle Paul says, I make mention of you daily in my prayers. Wow. You don't have to, I don't have to spend a half hour praying for Suzanne. Lord, I pray for Suzanne. I pray right. for her health. I pray right. for her strength. I pray. I don't have to do that. Um, it's making mention of you daily mm -hmm. in my prayers. When I pray for my children, we pray for Chad and Krista. We pray for Kyle and April. We pray mm -hmm. for Chris and Krista. Mm -hmm. um, if I am aware of a need, I may expand. Right. But otherwise, I make mention of them right. daily in my prayers. So just just start to pray and make mention of people. Wow. I think that's so so encouraging and just a great place for people to start. Uh, so that they can, we can all make mention of, of people in our prayers. That's Absolutely. all those that are going to come to mind or those that we're thinking about and being able to to turn that thought and that attention into a prayer and to give that to God uh, is such a valuable thing that we can do. Absolutely. And, and um, do it when you can concentrate. Don't have the TV on in the background. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or, or even... You know, even the radio, when you're going to be praying, the radio is wonderful, Christian radio, and, sure. and music is wonderful. It's great for worship. Mm -hmm. But when you're praying, you want to be able to concentrate. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really good. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being here with me and for sharing with me. Uh, that's just so valuable to hear from your long history of prayer and of following Jesus. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Peter. Teach Me Too is a presentation of Eastside City Church. It is produced, recorded, and edited by Josh Pegelang, Josiah Ragundan, and Paul Nguyen.